Hey, it's Matt Bovee from It's Always Game Day in Buffalo. This NFL offseason, we can fit 25 hours in a day, and that's because of podcasts that make you more productive. When you're folding laundry, paying bills, making omelets, or any other tasks that you've got to get done, listen while you work. Do your chores and be entertained all at the same time. It's all about the bills, the news, insight, analysis, and of course, some jokes too, on demand, so it fits into your busy schedule. Follow the It's Always Game Day in Buffalo podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Matt Spiegel, and I can't wait to bring you Season 2 of the PBP, Voices of Baseball. The very best play-by-play voices in the game talk about their craft. It's a job so special that even Joe Buck told us he will probably go back to it. I'm 53, basically 54. I I think it's too early to say nevers at this point in my life. I think at some point I'll get the itch again. Incredible guests sharing great stories from your favorite teams coming this year. Find us on the Odyssey app or wherever you find podcasts. All right, it's always game day in Buffalo. Sal Capaccio, Matt Bove. From a longer-term standpoint, beyond Mm -hmm. this year, Gabe Davis is going to the final year of his rookie contract. If they were to sign DeAndre Hopkins, even to a one-year deal with void years to make it work, right? One-year deal. Does that matter? Maybe maybe that matters to you. One-year deal, two-year deal. Does it matter to Gabe Davis's future, and how much does it matter to you, Matt, if they sign DeAndre Hopkins? Oh, it matters for sure, because he's looking to get paid, whether it's by the Bills or whether it's by another team, we've said that he would have probably been the top paid receiver on the market if he was a free agent this summer as opposed to next summer. I think there's a future with Gabe Davis on this team. I really do. And I know that Bills fans, he's a very polarizing player. I don't exactly know why he did not have Maybe the bar was set a little bit too high. Maybe the expectations were a little bit too high going into this past season. But he was still really productive. I know there were some drops that were mixed in, and there was a little bit of a problem there. But he still made big plays for them. He still caught a bunch of touchdowns for them. He still was their, I don't want to say best down the field threat, but he was a 1B to Stephon Diggs as 1A. And he's young. He's got upside still. Like, those are the guys that get paid. If you lose Gabe Davis, it's not just an easy person to replace. I know he was a fourth-round pick, so people could just say, like, well, just go draft somebody, and then you've got them on a cost-controlled contract for several years. Yeah, in theory, but you don't know if they're going to be that type of player. Gabe Davis has far outproduced a typical fourth-round wide receiver. He is producing, like, a top talent. So I think that this would impact him from a financial standpoint, but it doesn't change my stance on I think that he should be back next year and for several years to come. And I'll go even further and say, I think whatever the bill's plan is with Gabe Davis does not change whatsoever. If they sign Deandre Hopkins, if their I plan agree. is, to I him, agree with that. I agree with that. If their plan is to let him play out the final year of his deal and become a free agent. then that's, what's going to happen. If their plan is to sign him to an extension before the season, then that's going to happen with or without Deandre Hopkins on this roster. I think at the Andre Hopkins age and the uncertainty of what actually happens in getting him and the fact that you're not going to sign him to a really big, big deal anyway, I don't think that can impact how you feel about your young wide receiver going into his fourth year and what you think the investment you've made for three plus years now mm-hmm. and what you think his future is. And I've always long held that they want to sign Gabe Davis to an extension. And I believe they're going to do that before the start of this season. Now, I don't know, maybe thinking a little bit less about that now. Oh, okay. We'll see if that happens. But just the way the Bills talk about Gabe Davis, what he means to them, that Bills DNA, how mm-hmm. he works, I, I think that they've wanted to do this. And I could tell you for an absolute fact, because I've talked to Gabe Davis about this, he would love to stay in Buffalo. So I, I think agree. when you have a when you have those two things, 
matching up, it always made sense to me that they want to, and they will get to an extension for Gabe Davis. And I don't think it matters if DeAndre Hopkins is on the roster, they'll work it out and they'll figure out how to make the money work in that case. I think it could almost, it kind of sucks for Gabe, but I could almost think that it benefits the bills because it, kind of I don't want to say lowers the number a little bit but if the productivity isn't quite to the level that you're hoping it would be because you made the addition of DeAndre Hopkins maybe that number is a little bit of an easier pill to swallow for the bills maybe it's a 12 or 13 million dollar a year contract as opposed to a 16 or a 17 million dollar a year contract the thing about Gabe Davis too is he does so many things that they don't have other wide receivers doing. He is a great blocker, not a good blocker, a great blocker from a wide Mm -hmm. receiver. He is on the field a ton for that reason. Gabe Davis, you can kind of disguise your offense. He can be out there and you can run the ball. And obviously you can pass the ball. I think back to a lot of the different plays that he made going into the season. And I was just watching a bunch of their old games about a week ago. And I watched the first game of the season because it makes sense to start with one and go all the way through. Gabe Davis scored the first touchdown of the season. Do you remember the play? First touchdown of the season against the Rams last year? Yes. Do you remember? I do remember. I do remember. He was lined up as a blocker and they treated him as a blocker. And then he leaked out on the right side. Yeah. That happens because Gabe Davis is a legitimate blocker. And because you could be convinced if you're the Rams that Josh Allen is going to roll out to the side and try and run for the first Mm -hmm. down. But he sold the play. He gets yep. up field, tosses it, easy touchdown, walk in. Like those are the types of things that Gabe Davis does. He has a skill set that not a lot of other people have. And to echo what Sal has said, I've had the conversation with him. I did a big feature story with him and we went down to Orlando. I talked to his mom. His mom said Buffalo is the perfect place for him. Yep. Gabe loves to just kind of chill, kind of. He likes to fish. He likes to hunt. He likes to golf. A lot of things that you can do in Buffalo and you can focus on football. And that's kind of the mindset that he has. And he's just a competitor. So I know that I'm probably a lot higher on Gabe than some people, but I think that his future is here in Buffalo. And I think the bills want to have him and whatever happens with Deandre Hopkins doesn't change that from his stance, but I do think it might make the number a little bit easier for the bills to kind of fit into their salary cap moving forward. So it's a good segue, what you mentioned about how they used Gabe Davis in that game one against the Rams and the play, because Ken Dorsey had to dial that up. And Ken Dorsey met with the media uh, prior to OTAs on Wednesday. I'm sorry, on Mm -hmm. Tuesday. No, you're not going to get a ton from the offensive coordinator. He kind of plays it a little bit close to the best. But anything stand out to you? He's asked a lot about Dalton Kincaid and the offense and what it looked like last year versus this year. I think he probably is self-aware enough to realize that the offense wasn't, excuse me, as good as the season went along, he didn't say that he was asked that. And he didn't say that he said the typical, if you win a game by one, or if you win a game by a hundred, that's all you're trying to do is win a game. But I think he's probably self-aware to realize that there were two big things for the bills last year. One, the turnovers in the red zone and two, just the lack of creativity with the play calling and what they were ultimately trying to do last year. It felt like the bills identity was okay, Josh, go do crazy stuff. And that'll usually work because 99% of the time you're the best player on the field. Well, There were times when it didn't work. There was also the injury that they were dealing with. So I think he realizes going into the season, they need to be a little bit more creative. And they also just need to have a couple plays that are your get out of jail free cards that you know will work. Dable was always so good at just like in a situation where nothing seemed to be working. This is how we're going to get back on trap, back on track. This is how we're going to kind of swing the momentum back in our favor. So I I think he's self-aware and realizing that last year, 
was a step, but they still have big steps that need to be made for this offense to reach their potential. Yeah, you know, Ken Dorsey mentioned about, you know, learning from Brian Dable. And, of course, he was here with Dable. He was the quarterback's coach uh, for the Bills while Dable was the offensive coordinator. And then he gets into that mode last year and of the offensive coordinator. And he mentioned, you know, learning about being multiple and matching up and things like that. And I, I think I think what the Dable has wanted, this whole Dalton Kincaid thing, this 12 personnel, 11 and a half personnel, if you want to go, you know, what Brandon Bean says and calls it. I think they, I think that Dorsey has wanted to do this for a while. I think he wanted to do it last year. He's never really fully committed and got around to it. So I'm interested in see how much he's going to do that and, you know, what new wrinkles he has this year. But it makes it a lot easier when you have Josh Allen, of course, at quarterback. But this is a big year for him. Like, Matt, honestly, like, yeah. if if I know they were second in the league in scoring last year, mm-hmm. but if they have the same kind of year they had last year, we're talking about Ken Dorsey's future probably at the end of the year, believe it or not, because it just didn't look right the second half of the year. And there was obviously some things missing. And even Josh Allen said, Hey, we were second league in scoring last year and we still need to do better. Yeah. I like your point about Dorsey wanting to do things, especially with the 12 personnel. And I feel like last year there were a lot of kind of handcuffs because of injuries that happened right off the bat. And then you were trying to figure out what exactly your offense is, what exactly your identity is. I mean, keep in mind, this team brought in Jamison Crowder to try and replace Cole Beasley. He gets hurt super early in the season. They have Jake Kumaro who gets hurt super early in the season. And I know it's Jake Kumaro and people are probably rolling their eyes, but he at least was going to play a role on the offense. You had Josh Allen, who ultimately gets hurt in the Jets game and was not himself for several weeks after that. You probably thought you were going to get more out of your offensive line, and you never did. It felt like he was Josh was always running for his life. But I do agree with you. If there is not a very clear step forward, I don't know if Ken Dor- – but it's too early for that, right? Like, Sure, we're, sure. We're, but it's but a big year for him. It is. It is. It's a big year for him, and I think that if it doesn't work out – the next offensive coordinator might already be on the staff and Joe Brady, and they might be doing what they did with Ken Dorsey because you want somebody who's fresh, who's got a young mind, who is, you know, willing to take risks. It feels like that's Joe Brady. I know it did not work out in Carolina, but I think it didn't work out in Carolina probably because the personnel that they had, not because of Joe Brady, not being a good coach. And it seems like he's close with Josh. Josh is a loyal guy, right? Like Josh is a competitor, but he's also a loyal guy. Dorsey was his quarterback coach. There's a reason he went to bat for that guy to eventually become the offensive coordinator. But, and by the way, the other side is true too. If, if it does work out incredibly well, he could be in line for a head coaching job. And then we're still talking about this. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if that's true though. I don't know if one solid year, like let's say the bills best case scenario, the bills go in the super bowl. They have the number one scoring offense in the league. Do you think he's, already getting the calls to be a head coach because i think 100% look around this league every year it happens every single year look at what happened in philly with those guys yeah but okay you're right you're right the philly the philly point is a good one both coordinators left look at brandon staley i mean this happens every year with these with with these coordinators yeah one year though like if my team was hiring off of one year but it wouldn't be one year he he was second and they were second in scoring this year this past year one year mind you with josh allen right? Like that's the thing that's always been so impressive to me about Brian Dable and what he did with the giants. Like he was able to, didn't Ken Dorsey get a look, a, a quick look by Carolina's head coach this past off season. He might've got an interview. Actually. Yeah. I think he did get an interview, which 
whatever. The NFL, yeah, but man. yeah, Matt. I mean, think about every all these coordinators get hired. They come off one great year. That's when the iron is hot. You strike. You get the guy. That's what teams yeah. look for. Yeah, it's tough though because you have these guys that get it off of one year, and then you have like the Eric B. Enemies of the world, and it's like, what does this guy yes. need to do to ultimately? Right. Or Leslie Frazier. You know, you can yep. check. There's a lot of examples here. The Eric B. Enemy one is really complicated because how much of it is Andy Reid's offense? How much of it is his offense? He then takes a lateral move to go to Washington. So clearly there's something up. But yeah, no, I, I don't know. The head coaching game in the NFL is a really, really complicated one. And I can't even pretend to understand all the intricacies that go into it. Well, let's hope we're talking about it from that realm instead of the other realm that we talked about a little while ago. Yeah. Um, one last thing here before we move on. Bobby Babbage. The Bills have a... Bills fans, you're a rock star assistant coach in Bobby Babbage. First, he looks like a rock star, right? Yeah, Secondly, I don't think people realize. So the Bills have had, what, three all-pros, four all-pros last few years on defense? Well, guess what? They were all coached They came by Bobby from Babbage. safety. Jordan yep. Poyer, Micah Hyde. This is you know, obviously Tredavious White at corner as well. But then you had safeties, Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer. Who was their coach? Bobby Babbage. Oh, he goes to coach linebackers. Guess who becomes a first-team all-pro? Matt Milano, right? I mean mm-hmm. – Really great, and he spoke to the media as well. I thought it was super interesting that he mentioned Dorian Williams being a matchup linebacker and how you need matchup linebackers in this league. They talk about Matt Milano as a matchup linebacker. This tells me the Bills are really thinking about how to specifically match up on defense with all the different things that offenses are throwing at them these days, not with the traditional middle linebacker like a Tremaine Edmonds, who I know is a rangy sideline to sideline guy, but let's face it, Tremaine isn't a matchup guy. He's a guy you're going to plug in the middle of your defense and go use your skill set. They're talking about now kind of guys that can specifically match up at that position with what other teams are doing. Yeah, I don't think they're worried necessarily about size. I think that's going to probably be the thing that most Bills fans, rightfully so, are concerned about. It's like, are you really going to have two unquote undersized linebackers kind of leading your defense with Matt Milano and whether it's Terrell Bernard or Dorian Williams or Tyrell Dotson, whatever it is. I don't think they're that concerned with it. I think that they like the way their defense is built and they think one of those guys could provide them with something that they don't ultimately have. But that being said, still have really no idea who's going to win the job. I would say the leader in the clubhouse is I don't know. I, I, I don't even know because I would I say Tyrell I would say Tyrell Dodson because he's been here for a while and he's gotten on the field and they seem to like what he brings. But at the same time, you've used a big time asset on Terrell Bernard. And last year we didn't really see that much of him. So you would think that he's got more to prove. But now Dorian Williams keeps getting brought up more. And Dorian Williams, you know, these are OTAs. There's only so much we can watch. He flashes a little bit. He jumps off the fields a little bit more than some of the other guys that they have. Maybe that's just because we're looking for him. Maybe that's what it is. But I, I really do not know who's going to win that job. And Terrell Bernard, by the way, had the play of the day on defense when we were out there on Tuesday with a really nice interception against Matt Barkley. All right. It was it was a gift. Yeah, it was, it, it was a gift. I thought he made a nice athletic play, though. Was that a good yeah. throw? But he had to reach behind him. Yeah. You know, as he's moving right. Yeah. Um, the other thing is, Sean McDermott made this point, and it's right. Got to wait till the pads come on, too. A guy like Dorian Williams, I think, will always kind of flash yeah. when the pads are on. Justin Shorter, I mean, he's dude's a beast, right? You look at him like, oh, my God, if I could go to the lab, that's what a wide receiver looks like. Let's wait to see when the pads come on. We've seen this over the years with guys. Let's wait to see at training camp if they start making those plays as well, you know? 
Yeah, for sure. And is there anybody else you want to highlight specifically from OTAs? I'll just talk about, I, I really have been impressed with Trent Sherfield for a couple weeks. Okay. I just think that he looks like he is going to be a player that can really give this offense a spark. I'm not expecting 60, 70 catches, anything like that. But last year, you know, he was used in a limited role in Miami. I think you could up that role a little bit, especially if you don't ultimately end up going to get DeAndre Hopkins. Like in my mind, Trent Sherfield is going to be their third wide receiver. Just the way that it ends up working. I, I might be in the minority there. I think yeah. some people might could think be. it's hard. Some people might think it's hardy. I just like what I've seen from Trent Sherfield up to this point offensively. And then also Kyle Allen. Yes. Once again, that was the guy I was going to bring up once again, like we're very, very, we're very early, but, it feels like maybe the Bills have a guy that they can count on for a little bit. The other guy I'll mention, mentioned him last week, I think, in the pod. Taylor Rapp reminds me of a younger Micah Hyde with all the different things he can do on defense. Mm -hmm. And I think the Bills are going to use him in a lot of different ways, and we'll see what that looks like going forward. All right, we go forward for one final segment here on this edition of It's Always Game Day in Buffalo.